It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Bad things can and do happen, and sometimes the world can seem like a very scary and dangerous place. Fortunately, there are things we can do to become personally responsible for the security and safety of ourselves and our loved ones. Joining us today to provide tools that can help us in everyday life is John Iannarelli, a former FBI special agent who now works to keep people and businesses safe. John spent more than 20 years in the FBI, and he is the author of five books on security issues. He's been seen on major media outlets and in publications such as Forbes, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Joe. So, John, I'm really excited about having you on the show. You and I go way back, I mean, all the way to college. So, You're a well-known security expert, and more than ever, we need to learn how to stay safe. So in this show, we're going to talk about security issues and how they impact everyday life on a quote-unquote normal day. But before we do, let's talk about the situation that we're in today with the coronavirus pandemic. With what the world is experiencing regarding COVID-19, does a situation like this present security concerns that we may not otherwise have? Absolutely. COVID-19 is unlike anything that we've seen before. And the situation we're dealing with reminds me of the days of 9-11, except we're taking longer to get back to normal and we haven't even started to process yet. People need to realize there are threats that exist out there beyond the disease itself. Criminals are going to use this opportunity to take advantage of you. You have to be on guard. Make sure you're protecting yourself from the virus and from those who want to hurt you. John, what are some of the biggest threats that we're facing right now? So regarding the COVID virus, what we're seeing is a lot of computer online scams. Criminals are taking legitimate sites like the CDC and sending out emails with messages, look at the latest information regarding COVID, but yet in the emails, they're embedding malware, things to infect your computer so that they can see everything you're doing, including your logon information for your bank accounts, personal communications, etc. You have to be careful. Don't open anything unless you're going actually to the legitimate site. Never open an attachment from a stranger because you don't know what that stranger is sending you. We're hearing the term disinformation more and more. For someone that may not be familiar with this term, what does that mean, disinformation? Essentially, disinformation is putting out information that may be incorrect, trying to mislead you, getting you off topic from what the real important information is. We have so much information right now out there and so many different sources, particularly related to the COVID virus, it's very easy to be led astray. That's why, again, go to the legitimate sources, go to the actual news outlets, Go to the source itself, like the CDC. Don't trust third parties that you've never heard of before. They're probably giving you information that you don't or shouldn't need. 
In addition to what you just advised, are there any other steps that people can take to stay safe during this outbreak? You know, during the outbreak, we talk about maintaining good hygiene. Well, in the cyber world, they use the term cyber hygiene as well. You want to make sure that you're keeping your computer clean of any virus, in this case, a computer virus that can hurt you. Make sure your passwords are secure. Make sure you're not downloading anything you shouldn't download. Make sure you are downloading the patches and the updates because they found problems with your system and the manufacturers are trying to fix those problems to keep others from getting in. By maintaining good cyber hygiene, you'll keep your computer system and your personal information safe during this pandemic. We say a lot, John, uh, about people that are selling fake hand sanitizers or other products. What do you advise people do to avoid being a victim of that type of scam? There's a lot of products out there we all want to have in these days that can't find on the store shelves. But this is no different than anything else that cyber criminals have been taking advantage of over the years. There's been all sorts of medications and products and other things that are just phony. Well, they're doing the same thing now. If you order something online and actually receive it, it may not be what you think it will be, and it probably doesn't do the job that's intended to do. The best advice is stick with the legitimate places to purchase the products. If they're out of stock, they're out of stock and you're just going to have to wait. But when you're buying from an unknown source, you have to ask yourself, why does this company have all this hand sanitizer, yet I can't find any on Amazon or in my local grocery? There's a reason. It's probably not legitimate. If it seems too good to be true, it is. So, John, obviously... What we just discussed carries through to our normal everyday life. And let's talk about different areas of our life and what we can do to stay safe. And we're going to cover as many topics as we can today. So let's go back to Internet security. What are some of the biggest concerns we should have when it comes to cybersecurity in everyday life? Well, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to get your personal information And the reality of it is that if you're a victim of cybercrime, you're probably going to be on your own. There's only so many resources out there in the law enforcement world, and yet the cyber problem is so incredibly prevalent. When it comes to investigators looking at these problems, they have to prioritize. And so from the FBI standpoint, for example, when I was leading these sorts of investigations, I was worried about terrorism, national security, things like that. And when I was finally done with all those issues, if we were lucky enough to have somebody who was available, then we may take a look at a hack that involved a personal endeavor. But somebody who loses ten, twenty thousand dollars the sad reality is no one in law enforcement is really going to look at that because there just aren't the resources. You have to protect yourself. The best way to prevent yourself from being a cyber victim, take some very simple steps. Be careful about what you open up, just like I mentioned before with COVID. You want to make sure that you are not opening up attachments that are not downloading malware to you. Having a strong password, that's the number one. If you have a weak password, there are computer programs that can just try to hack your password using brute force, open up and get access to everything you're doing. Those are just some basic, simple tips to keep safe. 
And John, what about protecting our children? You know, kids don't always want to tell us what they're doing. So what can we as parents do to keep them safe? I spend years trying to go after online predators that are looking for children, get access to our kids. The reality is there's a large number of predators out there in society. You know, when we were young, parents might warn us to uh, be careful about talking to strangers. Well, on the Internet, everybody is a stranger. And kids today just don't realize that because they've become so second nature in using computers. Parents need to realize when their kids are online and they're in various apps such as, oh, say, for example, Tinder or Whisper or things like that, they're talking to people that they've never met before. Predators will go to these sites despite the fact they may be much older. When you're online, nobody knows who you are. Likewise, even with video gaming, no one is video gaming by themselves or with a person next to them in the room anymore. They're doing it online with absolute strangers. This is what predators look for. We need to teach our children to be aware, not to give out personal information and what they say to these people, because that's how predators will lure them in. John, I know so many people that are using online dating to try to meet people. And the interesting thing about this, it seems like they're throwing all caution to the wind. I can't believe the things I see people doing when they meet someone online on a dating site. So what do you advise that person do? What are some really common sense, really, if you think about it, things that someone should be doing to protect him or herself? So the online dating apps are become the way that people meet each other in the 21st century. But think about it. Every online date is a blind date, as we used to know it. You don't know anything about the person. You don't know anything that they posted or told you online is true. So take the time to be cautious when doing this. Number one, never meet somebody anywhere but in a very public place. It's a good idea to share information with others, too, and let them know who you're supposed to be meeting and where you're meeting and what time you're going to be home. Stick to the plan. Don't deviate and go elsewhere where you no longer have control of the setting. Even though the person tries to remain anonymous, if God forbid something were to happen, by sharing that information with others, there will be an electronic trail that law enforcement can use. But chances are, if you're abducted or assaulted, well, the damage is already done. You don't want to put yourself in that situation. I'd rather there not be a crime that never has to be investigated rather than have to respond to something where somebody has been injured. And the thing, too, to remember, I I would assume, these people are very good at what they do. They know how to play on you psychologically. They know how to get a, a seemingly intelligent person to make reckless decisions. It's referred to as grooming, and that's what these guys do for a living, essentially, by grooming the person, saying the things the person wants to hear, including describing themselves as being secure and safe and successful, saying all the right things that one would try to say on their best behavior on a first date. Well, these are the things that they do and know the tricks to. Meanwhile, There's all sorts of chat rooms out there on the dark net where these predators communicate with one another, 
and share their success stories and tips and tricks on how to lure victims. It's almost as if there's a training academy on the dark net for how to be a criminal. So they're not just making this up on their own. They have help. If they have help, you need help as well to keep yourself safe. That's why follow the simple advice of be cautious in what you do, share information with others, what you're going to do, and never give out too much information about yourself up front until you know who you're speaking with is the person they describe themselves to be. John, all of us are addicted to our cell phones. It's become part of our anatomy. You know, you, you... You see people downloading all of these apps and spending a great deal of time on this device. But you say that a cell phone is a threat to personal security. Why is that the case? You're walking around with the computer in your purse or on your belt. The reality is that cell phone has all your personal information on it. Think about people grabbing their cell phones and they're going to log into their bank account. Now, you've probably taken the time to download some malware software uh, antivirus on your computer at home. What have you done about your cell phone? Have you ever had your cell phone scanned to see if there's anything nefarious on it? There are viruses that attack the cell phone that can get all that information. Likewise, if I infect your cell phone and you log into anything that you would use at home or at work, Now you've shared that virus with the work and home computers as well. You have to be careful and make sure you're keeping your cell phone up to date and safe. Use strong password as well, so that way nobody can hack into that little mini computer to get into the regular computers at work and home. I see people today, they scan checks with their cell phone and they're making deposits that way rather than going to the banks. Is that a smart idea? It's a good idea to go ahead and scan checks and send them in because the banking websites are fairly safe. But again, here's the issue. Number one, you want to make sure that your device is secure because it's not so much the issue of the check itself. It's can I see anything that you're doing on that device to get your login information to your bank account. However, once you scan that uh, the check in, It's been really secured by the bank, so you're safe. What I recommend to people is have two-factor authentication. Don't just enter a password to get into your banking information or anything else that's important. Make sure you're using that two-factor where they're sending you a code that changes every 60 seconds so that you can enter that number as well as a second level of security. And the second recommendation I have is if your bank does not have two-factor authentication, get a different bank. In today's reality, you need to have that. You want to protect your most important assets. You don't need to protect everything on your computer and your phone. There's some stuff that just frankly, who cares? But the things that are truly important, your finances, your sensitive personal information, your health history, those are the things you want to take the time to make sure you're keeping secure. So, John, we've been talking about the things that we can do as individuals, but there are things that seem to be outside of our control when outside sites or companies have data breaches, and, and as a result, our information gets stolen. So what type of damage does a thief do to a person when he or she steals an identity, and is there anything we can do to protect ourselves in that case? Great questions. So starting with the data breach itself, 
the reality is data is even more valuable in many ways than actual cash because I can sell the data for a lot more cash in the long run. If you were to go to the dark net, you're going to find eBay-like websites that do nothing but sell personal information so that a person can go and buy credit cards or other things. If I steal your information, I might want to go ahead and apply for a home equity loan in your name on your property, but have the funds sent to an account that I've established. And then, of course, I'm going to move those funds so that you'll never find them. You may not even be aware of that home equity loan because you don't check into those things and look at the status of your mortgage. Meanwhile, you find out later on that you happen to have a $100,000 loan that you never even knew about. And these types of crimes affect everyone. When you think about stealing sensitive information and personal information, if I steal it from you, you're probably going to find out within the near future. You'll get a notification that your information has been hacked or that somebody has compromised a company and lost your information. But if I steal the information of people under the age of 18, they're probably not going to find out about it until much later in life because they're not checking their credit records and they're not using credit cards where they're notified by the consumer. So you have to remember you want to protect yourself, but you want to protect everybody in your family as well. As consumers, John, what type of insulation do we have from this situation? So when you are hacked or when a company is hacked and loses your information, the reality is the company has to protect you up to a certain degree. By law, they have to offer you a year of credit monitoring. But what good does that do when somebody now has your information and they can compromise you in many, many different ways? What you want to do is be responsible for yourself. Think about it. You have homeowner's insurance, car insurance, but what type of protection do you have for the Internet? And I'm not advocating going out and getting cyber insurance, but are you monitoring what's going on? Are you using a cyber monitoring system? Uh, There's a lot of companies out there that will monitor your credit report. I highly recommend using something like that. I have a service that I retained. I'm only paying $3 a month, but it's looking at my credit record and sending me an update. If anything happens, I'll be notified immediately, and then I can work to correct the problem. In this day and age, if you're going to carry insurance on everything else, carry insurance on the one thing that you're going to use every single day of your life, and that's anything related with the Internet. John, my credit card does some type of a security check, and they, and they monitor and send a monthly report. Is that enough? Well, your credit card, having a security check is just only one small aspect of your life. It's not checking everything else you do, such as your health records, where we have quite a bit of cybercrime. As a matter of fact, anything health-related is uh, in the top 10 of potential risk. But going back to the credit card, a bit of advice for your listeners if you have a debit card and a credit card, my advice is never use a debit card. The reality is when your credit card's breached, it's the bank's money. When your debit card account is breached, it's your money. And now you're arguing with the bank to give you back free money, regardless of whose fault it was. It's up to you to prove that it didn't happen on your end because of you. 
if it happened to the credit card company, it's federally insured. The reality is that it's their money. They pass that cost along to the consumer and uh, aspect of fees, but at least you're whole and you don't have to worry about getting your money back. Second bit of advice, have two credit cards. I have a credit card for everything I do online, and then I have a second credit card for everything I do in public. And if you had to guess which one it would be that would be compromised, it's the one in public, not the one online. Most websites are fairly secure when it comes to making online purchases. But out in the public, your credit card be, can be skimmed. Somebody can copy the information down. You could lose it. If you have two credit cards and something happens to one of them, then you don't have to worry about the other and you can continue to do business. That way, all your online prepaid things you have set up with the credit card are not going to be canceled and you don't have to set them up again because 99% of the time, it's the credit card you use every day to pay for items. John, I, I want to switch gears completely because uh, a few weeks ago in my town, there was an armed bank robbery during banking hours, and there were people in the bank. And this and, unfortunately, the new reality of these mass shootings, these events make us feel helpless. God forbid someone finds himself in an active shooter situation. What should that person do to increase the odds of survival? Great question. So I have been involved personally in a number of active shootings. Uh, I was on scene for the Gabby Giffords uh, shooting aftermath, working that case, and I happened to find myself in Las Vegas uh, at Mandalay Bay when the shooting happened there uh, because I had was in town for business. But with all that, regardless of where the shooting occurs, you want to employ the same type of response. We've all heard the run hide fight before but let me explain for a moment exactly so your listeners truly understand what that means when we say run that should be your first choice if you have that at all very hard for a shooter to hit a moving target more importantly the more distance you create the harder it is to be accurate with a weapon you want to run and you want to get out of that area as quickly as possible also, it gives you the ability to share the information with law enforcement that can go in and assist. If you can't run, you've got to hide. But hiding is not just like getting under a desk and essentially becoming a sitting duck. What you want to do is you want to hide in a place that the shooter, even if he knows you're hiding there, can't get at you. You want to go into a room and lock the door, close the blinds, uh, silence everything in the room, turn off the lights. And if the shooter tries to get in the door and can't, then that shooter is not going to sit there and continue to do that. They're going to move on to the next room. If the door doesn't have a lock, you can barricade the door. Uh, you can secure the mechanisms that control the door to prevent it from being opened. You can jam things underneath the door to prevent it from being opened. There's a lot of ways you can secure yourself to stay safe. Finally, the fighting aspect, we're not talking about becoming professional fighters or taking on a shooter and overpowering them. We're talking about fighting just long enough so they can go back to plan A and run. So somebody walks into the room and begins shooting, start throwing objects at the shooter, chairs, uh, tables. Uh, if you're in a restaurant, plates. It's very hard for anybody to fire a weapon when they're being pelted with items. And the minute that shooter is distracted, there's your chance to run and get away and create that distance. 
John, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I know we've covered a lot of information, and there's so much more that we can talk about, so I invite you to come back anytime you would like. If you would like to learn more about John and his work, you can visit fbijohn.com. That's fbijohn.com. And as always, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com. John, again, thank you so much for being here. Joan, thanks for having me, and I look forward to coming back someday. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.